Welcome back to the Twisted Builds podcast. Uh, we're, again, my apologies. This is a month since the last episode, but uh, we're coming back at it, and I'm going to try to do another one by end of month. So we're, I want to get into the bi-monthly schedule, but a lot of it's just a lot of stuff going on personally, so I haven't had time. But how's it going, Kevin? It's going good. So yeah, stuff stuff's moving, making progress on some stuff. Uh, still not making progress on some other stuff, but I feel like it's forward movement. <laughs> forward movement's always good. Yeah. It's the same with yeah. what I'm doing right now. It's like even if it's a little bit of progress, it's at least it's moving the right direction. Mm-hmm. So, what have you been? I'm bringing up the podcast. My phone turned off give me a second i we have podcast subjects we actually do work on this um <laughs> we do a little bit of forethought yes so we have down you're starting a side or uh starting a powder coat side hustle yes yeah so that i don't know so i sent you the pictures i don't know if you want to overlay the the pictures yes. on when you edit so i'm doing a lot of like the yard cart dirt track wheels uh for some friends of my father he does a lot of the tech and uh, out there at the the dirt tracks and he does okay. uh, some engine building for some of the guys so a lot of his friends are coming to me now that i have the powder coat set up uh they're like, hey do some wheels do this do this and then uh recently i did that uh small cylinder head so i decked that 50 thou <laughs> okay full yeah. 50 thou and that was a cylinder head for the little harbor freight predator 212 and That'll so i'll make just to see what that does oh yeah yeah so I, I believe the stock combustion chambers are 22 cc, if I'm not mistaken. And okay. from my math of me taking off the diameter and the 50 thou, it lost 3.89 cc, almost 4 cc. So that's nice. a decent jump for that little thing uh, mm-hmm. in compression. <laughs> well, and, a lot of people probably don't know. I used to be in the small engines before I got into car stuff. Yeah. I used to yeah, be. Well, that, that's how I initially found plane. you. So like when yep. you were doing the small engine dyno stuff years and years oh, yes. and years ago. Yeah. I still need to get, I still need to do like that. Like, again, I've learned so much since I've tried that and I would totally do it differently. Um, uh, and that was a lot, like I was learning a lot of electronics and stuff and yeah, I forgot that's how you found me. Yeah, but, that, I mean, we should collab on one together too. I wouldn't mind. I mean, I would love I can design to it do. Up. You can design it up. We can throw the files back and forth. And I would yeah. love to do like a water break, like an actual water break style. So, so I have a, a Stuska water break. Oh, I didn't even think about that. I could three D scan that dang thing. So I I wrote out some hand blueprints a year and a half, maybe two years ago. And, okay. and hand blueprinted out the the water break and the inner veins and inner radiuses of all the veins and, and all that such. I should I should go ahead and throw that into uh, scan it. Throw that into CAD. <laughs> we need to scale that up or down. That would be cool. Mm-hmm. I would like I have, and this is like this whole podcast is going to be tangents. But I have a whole like I literally have. I think it's like a two hundred gallon tank. That I bought for like fifty dollars. It used to be an old fuel storage tank. That I've always thought it would be perfect to like make it safe to weld to, and then like weld water inlet and outlets for it mm-hmm. to have like an actual engine dyno or something to play mm-hmm. with, because that would be perfect. And then do something like that, like build a dyno for like scale it up to like an LS or something like that, and then just start fiddling. I, I didn't even think about this until now, until you mentioned you had a tank. The lady that I purchased my shop from and the mm-hmm. lady that I'm currently purchasing that three-axle uh, gooseneck trailer from. Yes. So yes. We, we recently, last week, I went out there and looked at some of the other stuff on her property. and She's kind of basically cleaning, cleaning house uh, of mm-hmm. all the leftover stuff. And there's, I think, a three or 400-gallon just plate steel cube hydraulic reservoir tank. I was like that. Okay. Would, now that now that you say that, that'd be perfect for for something like that. And I have, I think, a eighty gallon hot water heater tank that I think it was an electric hot water heater tank that the heater element went out, and then I was okay. just given the tank. So the tank is like it's almost brand new. There is not even used. An element went out on it, and then somebody just immediately bought a new one again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I have that as a reservoir as well. So man, I need to start. That. I got so much stuff and, that I could. That and could that would actually, that's a, 
honestly, that's a phenomenal idea because the water, like if it's a dual water element tank, mm-hmm. you have a lower element and an upper element. Yes. That lower yeah. element would be perfect for yeah. a water outlet. And then, t- well, man. even, even, even those, uh, they, they all have, uh, outlet valves on the bottom too. Yes, they do. For like a, yeah. For drainage safety to drain yep. too. Yes. Yep. Yeah, I've, I've had to service my hot water heater a couple of times. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't replace it. I'll actually go in there and fix it. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Man, that's a darn good idea. I wasn't even planning on talking about that, but that's that's yeah. phenomenal. Like that's Yeah, we're, we're, we're on the topic yeah. of, of dino stuff again. Man, this light is terrible. I got a light like right, right above me, so shadows are fine. But um the the shop, oh gosh, that, that's a whole tangent. But the there's getting a lean to that's gonna be built on the side of my shop. And that's okay. going to house my uh, inertia dyno. So that's the nice. one that I currently already have. I think you've seen some videos of it. Yes, I've seen that. I may have done a video or two and posted on YouTube. It's been a while, so I can't remember. But I need to get you a picture of that as well. Have you overlay that? But <laughs> it's, a, it's awesome. a good inertia dyno. I think it's I think it's good for 50 horse, either each inertia wheel or 50 horse total for each inertia wheel. And then that was also the package deal that came with the Stuska water break. And I think the water break's good for 200 or 250 horse. So, okay. I mean, even then you can do stock stock engines for yes. what all that combined is. And and I have the, um, was it D-Tech out of Australia? I have the data acquisition system that I ended up importing from Australia. I bought contact that company and they just loaded me. We could even switch it to like a your dyno setup. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you've ever looked into your dino or whatnot. That's like an open source. Uh, it's been a while. It, it, yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> yeah. I, at least it used to be open source. I may have went closed source recently. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But it's still, it's still like a budget-friendly style dino controller. Because mm-hmm. I, like, I was doing my own Arduino stuff, but I started looking into that. It's like, why reinvent the wheel when it's yeah. cheap, effective, and reliable? Yeah, when, when so. I ended up calling up D-Tech, I'm pretty sure the company's called D-Tech. Um, mm-hmm. they packaged up the deal for a good price. And I think it was, it was, a, it was close to 2000 or a little over 2000, but it came okay. with, with absolutely everything I needed and the ability to, to wire up any kind of like K type sensors, like little thermocouples or, or anything um, nice. that I needed to it. And it also came with a USB. Where is that? Let me think here. I'll grab that later and I'll show you. It, it came with a weather station and okay. it's, it's about yay big, uh, about yay tall. It's a little rectangle box and you plug it into USB and it takes temperature, uh, atmospheric pressure, humidity, all that stuff out of this one box. So it's supposed to be like, you take it to the racetrack with you, you plug it in, you can be able to do your tuning off of, off of that for elevation and, and air okay. density and, yeah, for somebody who's not kind of racing on closed loop, but open loop and, yes. and adjusting beforehand. But nice. Okay. Yeah, yeah, they they packaged me up good. But yeah, I mean, we could probably do something comparable for a fraction of the price <laughs> of what I paid. But yes. at the time, it was a good deal for me. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm sure. I like. I that's just. We're gonna have to revisit that because that's definitely gonna. Yeah, we're, we're probably out of happen. <laughs> yes, yes. Ah, uh, well. All right. Bring so. Yeah. If anyone listening to this like doesn't understand, like we're going to tangent pretty hard on this because again, it's yeah. been a month. <laughs> and we need to like we need to do this more often. So, yeah. but yes, which is again a lot of my fault. But we're going to get there. So I had on there, and I think I, I I might not have sent you photos of this. Did I send you photos of me playing with uh, the old factory LS engine computers? No, you mentioned okay. you mentioned about the P fifty nines. I I see scanning dots on there, there so that's something on. I was yeah. <laughs> so um, well, elaborate. I, yes, so uh, I'm the Firebird is going P fifty nine. I actually literally just got these in yesterday. Truck. Yes. Oh, those so, are nice. I use yeah. I use those for the the bulkhead fittings at, at work. So we stick those. We drill holes in the the cabs for the cat tractors. Run those bulkhead fittings for the Firebird. Yep. I got two of them. So Beautiful. one of them's going to do engine management. The other one's going to do the ethanol content sensor, uh, fuel pr- fuel rail pressure sensor, and then um, transmission. 
So, but, awesome. which you've known this, but just for our viewers that don't know this, it's just a circular connector that goes together like that and clips in. And I got the pins and the, like the lock nut and the, or lock washer and nut and everything for it. But mm-hmm. I've been fiddling with, I've been wanting to fiddle with these. I haven't ever fiddled with them. And the, I've had buddies talk to me about, Hey, will you do like custom harnesses? And I've thought about it. But the Firebird's always been something I wanted to play with. So I don't know. Have you ever played with those boots as well? Not that style. No, that's that's nice. I can so, imagine where that would come in handy right now, to be honest. Yes. So they make these boots as well. Um, I got all this stuff from DigiKey because it was um, TE actually didn't have them in stock. They're all made by TE. They're Dutch. They're Dutch. However you say it. Um, but they have 90 degree boots. So you just cut the end open because it's a sealed end. But you cut it open and then you run your wire out of it. Which is gonna be perfect for where I'm putting it in my fire or my firewall. I gotta make a ninety, so that's perfect. That's nice. That'll so, did did that one come with the bulkhead rubber washer as well? Because the ones that I'm using, they that is a, a failure or not really a failure point. You ha, you have to be very particular on lubing that washer up and not over torquing the nut when you tighten it into the wall or whatever. Because the it, it the just shoots rubber. out the side. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, it, it squeezes so, out the side. So that, that's this, one, one issue that I've noticed with those. I don't know if that's your style. This specific data sheet, because I did go through the data sheet to make sure I was getting everything correctly, didn't mention anything about a rubber washer for the okay. firewall. Okay. So my plan was just to put a thin layer of RTV on it and then that, put that it through the firewall. Be better. <laughs> that was my thought. That way I don't have to worry about it leaking into the cab. But, I mean, the cab's not super sealed anyway. It's on that Firebird, so it's not a big deal. It's chair. a fair weather Sorry. car. Oh, you're fine. But, um, but yes, yeah, so I'm working on a custom wiring harness, um, which I'll probably be working on this week now that these stuff finally showed up. Um, How many pins is that connector? Is that, this one's that 47. Okay, 47 okay. pin. So I got two of them. One will that literally is... do everything for the engine. Um, without the, without the flex, without the fuel rail pressure, the fuel rail is just kind of an added thing. I already have the sensor on the rail and I figured out how to import the pressure into the P59 and display it. So I'm just going to do that. And then, um, I need to, I have the, the flex sensor and pigtail and, uh, nipples on the ends of the sensor i have all the connector to run that in my truck and i just haven't yet i need to so bad <laughs> it'd be nice to yeah. run some flex in that thing but yeah that's the same ecu that i have in my with my ls yep. dodge <laughs> so the excuse me because of my work i found um on facebook marketplace on i know you're not a big facebook fan but a lot of the ford techs are on facebook so that's another reason why i'm on there and uh, there was a guy that got out of being a Fortec that went fleet that ha- bought his own VCM three, which is the latest and greatest diagnostic uh, scan tool cord for Ford. Okay. And they retail for about $2,000 and he oh, had it for sale and 500 bucks. Ooh. Yeah. It, so br- that- I had to take it out of most of the factory packaging. It was practically oh, so new. Just untouched. So is that just yeah. a dongle or is that what, what all is that including? I will overlay a photo in this. And I'll text you a photo of it tomorrow, but it's right. actually, it's actually a cord. So it plugs into the OBD2 port on one side. It goes into the interface. It's a J25 It's um It's a pass through interface and then it has a USB okay. cord. that goes to the computer. So the Ford cord with, PCM Hammer software, which is completely open source, and Universal Patcher, which is completely open source. They are made by the guys that made like LS Droid and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You can use the Ford cord with that software to force flash a P59 or P01 ECU with the all the like if you wanted to go completely open source, like the Tuner Pro definitions are out there. You can use Universal Patcher to take any operating system and force it to have flex field capability. Because like HP tuners, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. HP tuners. I know you have to you have you to have match. to find a file. You yeah. have to have a file that is flex fuel enabled because you can enable it with the drop down and it doesn't do anything does because. Yep. There's heart. There's there's cables that, that are hidden. Package, yep. 
So you can use the software, the force flash, anything to have flex feel at all. Doesn't oh, matter. That is, that is so That's you can so take, <laughs> you can take, I've done this too. You can take operating systems that someone has already patched with HP tuners to like a three bar operating system. Take that operating system, flash it to a bench P59 that's just on the bench. Uh, read it off with the it'd be PCM hammer. Read the bin file off. Change the, the segment swap because segment swapping in HP tuners, you have to be on an unpatched file. So like you have to be on the yes. original file. You can't be on a two bar or three bar. This yep. guy does not give a crap. It'll take the as long as the original operating system before the two bar or three bar patch is the same as the operating system that you're grabbing. Like say you're going from a 60E to an 80E. The HP tuners file has already got the three bar operating system on it. And it's a 60E and you want to segment swap it to an 80E. You can take flash the PCM with HP tuners with your three bar 60E tune, read it off of PCM hammer, do the segment swap with the file that has the three bar operating system on it, swap it to an 80E, flash it back into the computer, then read it back with HP tuners and do all your editing and it just all works and everything's oh, happy. Man, I've already done beautiful. it. That's, and, and I'm get, kind of getting tired of HP tuners, to be honest. So I yeah, know that, I that this updated. seems like a, a lot more work. Because <laughs> HP it is tuners, a lot more like, work. I, I, I do kind of like how everything's set up and I've bought all their courses. Uh, they, they keep bugging me. They want me to do like a two-day in-person class with them because I have all the, the paper courses and and all mm-hmm. that stuff. It, yeah, I don't know. They're they're kind of irritating me as a company. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. So I still have the original cord. I have original, like older software for that cord because I know the new cords. Like this is where HP Tuners as a company is kind of shady, and they're it's it's like public knowledge. I'm not breaking mm-hmm. anything, but like the original MPVI cords. If you go to like version 5.0, they'll brick the cord with a firmware update. Because they want you to go to MVPI two and three, mm-hmm. so and it's known like it's all over the forums, it's all over the internet. Well, you can't even it's go to MVPI two anymore. You you can't because I contacted them. I think it was last month or two months ago, and I lost my module about a year ago. I contacted them. They sent me a link saying, "Hey, here's a link to." Uh, buy a new one, but it's discounted because you already own one. Uh, we're mm-hmm. not going to require you to send one. It was kind of like a an upgrade, but it wasn't an upgrade. I was buying the same one. So, but yeah. instead of having me to send the one that I had in there because it was lost or left in a customer's vehicle, they sent me the link. It was discounted to buy the same one, so I don't got to pay full price. I get to keep my uh, serial number, and then I get to keep everything associated with it. So it was just basically giving me another one that was exactly the same. You cannot do that with MPVI two anymore. It, they they were forcing me to upgrade to MPVI three. I was like, I don't, I don't, I didn't want to, and I still don't yeah. want to. Yeah. So you yeah. can't even get, you can't even do that with the MPVI two. It's it's obsolete. And this was like within a year, within a year mm-hmm. that happened. So it's not like this was five years down the line. Yeah. Yeah. It, like it's that the oh that. That gets under my skin. <laughs> yeah, there's some stuff that there. Like, I know the reasoning behind that, but I don't feel comfortable disclosing that on a podcast. We'll have to talk about that. Oh, okay, okay. There's reasoning behind it. So I may, I may but, know it. I just may not know it right now. But that might maybe something that yeah. that I already know. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah. Overall, as a company, like when they started brick purposely bricking MPVI one, so I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm done. Like. I'm, I like their software. I love their tuning interface. I love their scanner. I don't like what they're doing anymore. So I'm keeping my old stuff, whatever it works with, it works with. And that's just that. So speaking on the, the topic of kind of scanning, doing stuff with the ECUs, how much have you been paying attention to the wireless OBD that that's getting released do you know too much about that because from what i hear so the reason I, i'm we, getting on this how topic about we do like how about we do a question and answer and i'll answer what i'm allowed to well i'm, I'm not i'm not questioning you specifically i i'm, I'm yes. just trying to start the conversation because what i know so far is that back in 2012 and this because i'm still big on right to repair and this is yes. how I'm, I'm getting into this is back in 2012 and i think massachusetts 
a 75 to 25 vote. They voted into law this right to repair on vehicles that you own. And the wordage of this law deemed that the manufacturer could not block you from the diagnostic software internally of the vehicle that you purchased. Because if you purchased the vehicle, if it came with the diagnostics capabilities inside the ECUs, they could not prevent you from getting into that on your own. That couldn't prevent you from going to O'Reilly's or AutoZone and getting a code scan. But the wordage of this law did Real not quick. apply to the Wi-Fi or the wireless diagnostics. Real quick. And, Are you talking okay. about the, the Massachusetts law? Yes. Okay. Continue. Sorry, yes. I wanted to make sure I yeah. was on the same page. Yeah, sorry. Did I not say that? Did I skip over the state? <laughs> you might have said okay. that. I don't, I don't yeah. remember. It doesn't matter. Keep going. Yes. So, so um, oh, I lost my train of thought there. So the wordage of that did not apply to the wireless diagnostics. So if you had, let's say, uh, a, I don't even know if they have it now. So like the ECUs with blue chip, uh, Bluetooth chip mo- or modules in it to where you can just diagnostic off your phone or the OnStar diagnostic stuff. So that did not apply. The manufacturers, the motor vehicle manufacturers did not have to give you access to that uh, okay. due to it being wireless. Well, so now the NHSTA told the auto manufacturers to where they don't have to apply that law doesn't apply to them anymore. All of this stuff back and forth. And I may not be getting this exactly right. Um, but the way that a lot of these auto manufacturers are getting away from you being able to repair your own vehicle is that the diagnostics they're doing wireless. Uh, so that way they are trying to kind of phase out some of these old school OBD two plugins. It's also DCMA. Okay. It's also DCMA. So I got a tiptoe here. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know you knew anything about this. So this was. Oh, yeah. Um, Crap. This this is literally I was I was watching uh, Lewis Rossman. So um, he's a MacBook or not really specifically Mac, but he, he repairs cell phones, laptops, okay. computers, stuff like yep. that. And he's big on right to repair. He's been lobbying for, I don't know, quite a few years, dumped tens of thousands of his own money into it. And he came out with a video on the way here when I left work and I was, I had my headphones in and I was listening to it and I was like, Oh my gosh, it kind of has blown me away. How these big old corporations, like you do not own anything anymore. You will own nothing and be happy that, Oh, you're rent. You're, you're paying a yes. hundred thousand dollars for this vehicle because of inflation when it should be worth $20,000. You can't even repair it anymore because you're renting it from us technically. Like you don't yeah. even get to redo your repairs. It's, it's God. It's 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 a big one, big issue. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right. So, yeah. So, I'm trying to. I'm still trying to tiptoe here with what I can talk about. Um, DCMA is coming into a lot of it because of the copyright of the code on the vehicles. So it's the same way of how you can uh, copyright computer programs and stuff like okay. that because it's technically electrical code. Um, like the manufacturer is not going to stop you from seeing a suspension component that's bent or damaged or like a wheel bearing failed or anything like that. Mm-hmm. You get into the digital side of things uh, relatively. So you got the DCMA, you got the scan tool software from like we'll use Ford because that's the manufacturer I work for. The scan tool software itself is covered under the DCMA because it is software. The software on the modules is covered under the DCMA because it's copyrighted code. You are allowed access to the, and Ford will publish all of the federally mandated information for diagnostics. So if it's federally mandated for a ICE vehicle, for like emissions coverage, they're going to release anything that is federally mandated by the OBD2 standard and the uh, Clean Air Act. That way, the, the aftermarket company or aftermarket repair shops and stuff can get in there and get the data they need to fix that vehicle. That data has a really old speed limit in the law, um, so they are restricting uh, data speeds, transfer speeds. So that way they can keep the bus more active for everything else going on in the vehicle. Um, they 
It, this is a whole big can of worms. It's like because <laughs> you've got two, like you got right to repair, and I understand that. Like I'm on both sides of the fence, like hardcore, because you got right to repair, and I am pro being able to repair my own stuff. The other part of it, though, is like think of it like the Windows operating system. Mm-hmm. The DCMA covers that from going in there and just straight up hacking it. Like if you hacked it and you will take an aftermarket scan tool, a company as an example, like if you're a startup and you hacked the, your way into this vehicle, hacked into the code, and now you're going to start selling that as a service, you've violated a lot of law to do that. Um, there's no good answer to this. Mm-hmm. And and like you said, you've seen a little bit of both sides. I mean, I and I can see their side of it too, but I'm mm-hmm. also thinking like, what would be better, more restriction or less restriction in the end? And in my opinion, it would probably well, be less so- restriction. Less restriction. I'm very pro less restriction. However, like it costs these companies millions, if not billions of dollars to write these programs that these vehicles are running. Now in saying that, should they release the diagnostic ability for aftermarkets like snap on and stuff to grab a hold of it and diag things? Yes. And they still do. And they actively do. Do they release everything? No, no. Should they is where it gets gray Mm -hmm. because like you got to think of it from the aftermarket standpoint where you could have Joe Schmo off the street with no credibility to him whatsoever working on systems that can drive the freaking vehicle Mm -hmm. because of the new technology coming out. And if they work on it incorrectly, it could drive that vehicle into a crowd of people. Mm-hmm. So where do you point, draw the line? Would, would the manufacturer be liable? So maybe they're trying to to limit some liabilities on. And that. that's a lot of this. That's a lot of this because, like, well, I, I mean, I see how that would no be a lot answer. of it, but there's also that. Yeah, there's there's also the unnecessary digitization of items on the vehicle that it don't need to be in order to drive profit. I so, agree. And, and, and that's happened with John Deere for a while too. A uh, long while. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's, it's to me, like I'm looking at it away from stepping back, looking at it. And it's almost like they're using that, liabilityness as as a scapegoat yeah and to do everything some, else and and so yeah. it's very, yeah, and very some muddy. of it and like a lot of it is like this is federally mandated stuff that our elective officials take that with a grain of salt as well but you know what i mean <laughs> have have like instituted onto the automotive industry like they want these safety features. I don't know how new of a vehicle you've been in lately, but a lot of them have a reminder to check your rear seats for kids that yeah. goes off when you shut the key off. Mm-hmm. That's a federally mandated law. That's not like for me, it's Ford Motor Company. That thing's so annoying. When it goes ding, 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 ding. And it comes up on your screen, like check the rear seats for occupants. Like, no, duh. But, but that's a federally mandated law. And a lot of people don't like, and this is where I'm very – and with a topic we're going to get into pretty much directly because it ties right into this. Um, I'm very pro, like, pro right to repair with competent people that know what they're doing. Because, like, you got to remember the radio on some of these newer Fords, the radio, if you mess that up, like mess up your sync programming – that has ADOS and it has um, it has ADOS capabilities in that radio. Like it, that radio does stuff for some of the safety features on the car. It's in your radio, oh. and you know so it. Like, was just and you like don't. That. 
What? <laughs> you know it was purposefully designed with that intention too. It was. But like <laughs> that wasn't like a a, of, oops, oops, it does that. <laughs> yeah. Like and yes, I agree there. It's like a lot you got it's one of those like a lot of people that want to fiddle with their cars don't understand the second and third order effects of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So that's where like there's got to be a line drawn somewhere where like yeah. The newer vehicle, we're not going to get away from the tech. I do. My, I think the new vehicles are getting way too far advanced. Yes, definitely compared to what four wheels and engine, something that stops, they'll get you around. But so, so my my fix to this, just personally, and this is probably why used cars are kind of skyrocketing through the market right now. I will never own anything else, two thousand eight or or newer. So my my truck's two thousand seven. I will have mm-hmm. that or, or older. I have my Camaro. It's a 2010, but that's kind you've of ripped an everything area. out of that. Yeah, I, it's completely gutted. It is straight up race car. Yeah. Um. So that that I don't really think that counts too much when it comes to daily driver. Man, I'm I'm going to keep my older vehicles on the road, and even if that means having to retrofit some of the off the wall EPA stuff and do some this sort is- of going DIY right into hybrid. my next topic yeah <laughs> then, then, then i'll keep that going just to grandfather myself into a lot of the issues that i don't need to deal with with the newer yes cars. so yes and i i like i agree there like my wife's is a 2018 rap 4 and that's pretty much gonna be that like i've told her like if the wheels fall off that thing i'm figuring some way of bolting them on 3d scanning fabricating. I don't care. And like, we're going to own that thing forever. I drive a 2012 Ford Fiesta. And then I've got all the other toys, like the firebird, the S 10 I've got, um, the Oh four Silverado. Um, and I'll have another one eventually, but another, like another truck, but that's a story for another time. So, so, um, so you hear me and you talking about this, how we're holding on to stuff that can be repaired. Uh, yes. And and even upgraded. or heavily modified if needed. Yeah. To be. Yes. Yes. That's easily capable. So I think these these mandates are really shooting the government in the foot a lot. So so there you you hear that they're really concerned about economy. Well, when mm-hmm. when me and you and knowledgeable people, when when enough of us are getting together and we're not buying these brand new vehicles, well that that's a hurt because yes. of some of these mandates. That's that's a. Yep. That makes it the country that this flag is. That makes that go down quite a bit when it comes to the economy. So, I agree. so they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot like that. So I wouldn't be surprised so, if there's some sort of new cash for clunkers thing that's going to pull up here soon. With I want to be force. surprised. Yeah. Definitely with the EV push we've had lately. Yep. Uh, I like some of the some of the EV stuff. So not necessarily the big manufacturer ev push but edison motors i don't know if you're aware of them Mm-mm. so they oh man you need to go down that rabbit hole and it's not a long rabbit hole either it is absolutely beautiful okay. so they're taking these these older semi trucks completely ev converting them over to do heavy logging operations to haul okay. hundreds of thousands of pounds with the two and three tandem trailers all done on electronic axles and everything else like that. And their whole hmm. premise is easily repairable. So you think of like, they're, they're taking these old semis that have two flat p- planes of glass. And that, this is one of their examples. Well, the flat planes of glass, they're cheap. If one breaks, you go to a local glass supplier, get a flat plane of glass cut to that size. You can put a new windshield in that. And it's just one side too. It's not like you're replacing the whole thing. Well, a lot of those bigger trucks, they're, they're, pretending like oh aerodynamics that's why we have to have a curved windshield not because we need to charge you eighteen hundred dollars to replace that because it's got a chip in it yeah Uh, so their whole premise is easy repairability but still pushing more towards some of the ev stuff because there's there's some good pros to that and especially in some of the heavy industrial equipment there's some real good pros and it's not like they're having a semi full of batteries they do have a diesel engine that's generating electricity for the, the electronic axles. Um, okay. And th- there's, there's a lot of pros to that as well. <laughs> so, yes. so Edison motors. Yeah. I would definitely go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> I would suggest going down that I'll rabbit hole. And, and it's not a super long one either. Okay. I'll yep. definitely have to do that. But going back to on, on our topic of 
hacking new stuff and making stuff work. Um, I have we've probably talked about this in the past. Um, I'm actively working on it now. I, I've got so many irons in the fire, but this is this <laughs> is this is one of those projects. Like everything's done for the evening. I'm at my computer. I can just sit there and work on it, and it's wonderful. Um, you know about uh, me working on the 21 Dodge Ram with the CAN yes. bus stuff. Yeah. Okay. So I'm actively coding. Uh, it'll be a uh, logger and um, a reverse engineering tool for not only Canbus 2.0 networks, but Canbus FD networks. And okay. then I'm going to release, uh, I would say, I wouldn't say budget friendly, but it's going to be like priced fairly capable. Um, Injury yeah, capable. well, the, the unit, but I'm talking training. Like, I'm going pri- to okay. do video yeah, I training. Forgot, I forgot, yes. I did hear about yes. the training. Yeah. Yes, so that's the plan. Like, I want to do, do video training on how to use the stuff. Um, Grab, uh, I've got a couple buddies with newer cars that have the FD network. The FD network's not going to go anyway. If anything, it's going to get more prevalent. So I'm trying to get one foot forward into where the market is going for CAN bus stuff and then teach everyone how to screw with it. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> well then you're liable. <laughs> so can, can, can you, can you dive into the variations of CAN bus a little bit? Okay. So you've got CAN bus, uh, most automotive stuff since we've had it in the automotive field, which is about 2006, maybe. Something like that, maybe 2008, 2006, somewhere around there. It's a 2.0 B standard for CAN bus. So, um, what was your question again? Can Can you go into the the differences between the variations of CAN bus? Okay, so CAN 2.0 B is what we kind of started at with in the automotive industry. It is a slower version of CAN FD, so it's still plenty fast. Um, you can have, I don't know, probably 15 modules talking to each other on a single CAN network. And that's it, why a lot of, sorry, go on. Are, are, are they pushing more toward the faster speed due to the safety systems? Or is it because there's just so many individual they're, they're, CAN modules? Yes. Okay, yes, both. Yeah, okay. So when we have uh, yeah, separate so, modules in a yeah, single so what vehicle. Was, what was going on was they had the CAN bus 2.0B, which like literally that 21 RAM that I worked on reverse engineering for a full send diesel, that thing had the 2.0B network on it, and it was 21. 22 RAM they flipped over to the FD network on some of the modules. For, I'm going to use Ford because I know Ford relatively inside and out, which is scary. Definitely on the new stuff. I know it. People buying Fords. I'm a Ford tech, and I know that intimately. Regardless, um, the they're getting so many uh, modules on networks that they started, instead of just having one CAN network, they went to like two CAN networks on the vehicle. Then they went to three CAN networks on the vehicle. Then they went to like, okay, we're going to do an infotainment CAN network we're going to do a medium speed can network for like your steering wheel buttons and stuff like that. That could be on the infotainment network. It might not be desi- depending on design. And then we're going to do high speed. High speed will be like your ABS module, your PCM, your body control module, stuff like that. Um, they went that from then to where like, okay, we're getting so many modules on the vehicle now talking on can network. We're stressing all these can networks and we're stressing the gateway modules that are taking messages from like say the infotainment network going to the gateway module and then transferring it to high speed. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Like they would, it, they pretty much think of it like a relay center where they're taking a message in and then toss it on a different network. You just got out, a little person would... in there with some plugs and some, stuff like that. <laughs> sure. <laughs> like yes. the old switch, the telephone switch connections. <laughs> yes. But, but yeah, so they, the networks were getting pretty strained with what uh, the manufacturers were doing to the vehicle. So at that point, they have now started doing FD CAN network, which FD is flexible data, so or flexible data transfer. So a 2.0 message, you have roughly it's normally eight bytes of mess or eight um eight bytes worth of messages. I think it's not the right way of saying it. Um, so you have your message ID, which is kind of think of it like a phone number for the message, 
and everything's on a broadcast network. So like mm. the PCM is constantly broadcasting everything. The only time yeah. this changes is when you have a send receive type request, which doesn't happen very often. It's normally due to scan tool equipment that does send receive on the bus. Mm-hmm. Besides for that, 99% of car communications are broadcast. Mm-hmm. So, and, and the individual modules needing to receive can, can kind of filter out what it doesn't need to hear or doesn't need to see. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. So it, instead of filter out, it's better to, the more correct way of saying it would be they are programmed to look for certain messages. Okay. So, because, because each, each message has, has like a, a prefix and a suffix type, type deal to establish the, the beginning and the end of the message. And yeah. Yes. So like, okay. and like, even like that's even getting into like the, the way the network itself works, but not how the module responds to it. So okay. like the way a module respond, and I learned this from that 21 Ram, I got like an intimate knowledge with 2.0B <laughs> from that Ram. You need to pass on some of that, man. Give me some, give me some research material so I can get up to date on it. But I'll, I'll have to send you what I can, not of the Ram, but just of the networks. Uh-huh. But regardless, so the 2.0B standard has think of a message ID as the phone number. And then it has up to eight data bytes of, of data that go from zero to 255 because of one byte has a zero to 255 value. It's got eight bytes worth. So um, you can take, say for instance, you want to do RPM, RPM on message ID one. So you'll have a four digit ID. It'll be zero, 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 one would be the ID number. And say your RPM is over two bytes, it's little ADN, so it is, the first two bytes are like, say you're idling at 800 RPM, right? So the first, um, the first byte in the message would be 08, and I'm talking in decimal, it's done over hex, but you can transfer it to decimal real quick, regardless. The first uh, byte in the message would be 08, and then the second byte would be 00. You add those two together, you get 800 RPM. If you want like 6,000 RPM, it would be 60 and then 00, and that's how the message looks at it. It's always broadcast. So all the stuff, like they'll wait for the bus to have an empty, like literally microsecond of a slot, and they'll toss a message out on it. And for instance, like that RAM, I was cycling through... 20 plus messages in five seconds or five milliseconds. 20 it was 20 plus Dang. messages in five milliseconds. Dang. I wonder when we're going to start doing opting uh, that stuff. Well, <laughs> onboard, onboard ethernet's a thing now with Ford. Oh, okay. So I was not aware but, of that. Yeah. At all. Uh, like literally like the same cabling you use for ethernet in your house, mm. automotive equivalent, same thing. Same connector. Oh, but hey, it might be some of the connectors are different, but some of the connectors are the mm. same. So yeah, like we're getting to Ethernet speeds because we need the D to transfer for the safety systems and anything. That's kind of going mm. off topic, but oh sorry, <laughs> you're fine. But so yeah, going back to and this whole thing's a tangent, but we're we're good. Um, but yeah, the 2.0 B you could have like you could have an ID that uses only one byte, so the other bytes it doesn't even use. But the maximum byte or information holding an ID can have is eight bytes worth of data. Flexible data or CAN FD is flexible, so you I don't even know what the limit is. I think it's 64 bytes in a message, like a single ID. I okay. think it have 64 so, bytes so, of message. So at that point, the same, and I'm shotgunning here. The same priority message could hold multiple different types of information. And it could hold a whole bunch of it in a single ID. Gotcha. Because the permutations of of that longer message are astronomically larger than the eight. Oh, yeah. And that's how it's moving so much data. So that's how. So they amplify. That does kind of clear up the, the congestion, I guess. Yes. So they amplified the speed and they amplified how much data can fly across the network at the like on the same ID network strategy, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. But um, so that was a whole rabbit hole. But that's kind of an idea of how the can the differing between can 2.0 and can FD is. And my the box I'm building is going to be able it's going to be uh, you can hook it up to your computer with USB. Um, it's also going to have onboard SD logging. So if you just want to hook it up to a couple of tam- can networks and log, you can. There's there's reasons behind all of that. So the USB logging will be able to do live data, which is something I used on that truck. And I've used on my own Fiesta and a couple other vehicles 
to live watch a network message so that way you can reverse engineer what's doing. Um, it's going to be the same way with the FD network. So it's going to have USB plug ability for the live network monitoring for reverse engineering. The SD card logging, I'm planning on running the thing on like a... I want to see if I can do it on a 9-volt battery. I might have to do two 9-volt batteries and then ooh, drop it down to 12 ooh. volts. So, reason B... Throw you some 18650s <laughs> in there. <laughs> What's that? The, the little rechargeable lithium. It's like the... Okay. the yeah, the 18650s. That, it's like the most common common little, little like that laptop might be battery. An option. Yeah, that's probably that might a lot be an better option. than like, 9-volt. Yes, I'm just I'm like I'm still in the coding section of okay. this project. I haven't even gotten that far yet, but like the theory behind this is I've got a FD CAN network and two regular CAN networks that's going to be able to log. So it's going to be able to do all three simultaneously. Um which isn't enough for the modern vehicle for like a lot of modern cars could have five or six networks at a time. So you will have to do like a log of a network then move to a different network then move to a different network. Once you figure out like the module you want to either illuminate, like enumerate, clone, um, on the ne- on the network, you'll have to like record that, and then if you want to do it, excuse me, a different module on a different bus, you'll have to like move the wiring to that different module, so on and so forth. But um, where was I going with that? Okay, uh, it's gonna have an amp clamp on it as well. Reason okay. being, so. I've, I've personally ran into this. I've talked to a lot of techs that have ran into this. There's really no tooling out there for this that's any good, or the tooling is astronomically expensive. Like, the one I found was almost $15,000. So, <laughs> that does something similar to this. What I want to do is I want to, and I have a 23 Mustang with 240-some miles that's doing this exact concern that gave me this idea. Um, Once... Say, for instance, you have a vehicle with a parasitic drain, okay? Things run in the battery dead overnight, over a couple of nights, but it's intermittent and you can't find it. Like, you do a, a regular parasitic drain test on, with your, like, DVOM. We're going to say my blue point, because I'm literally talking from experience from this exact car. Um, say you do your parasitic draw, and once everything shuts up and goes to sleep, it's got, like, six milliamps of draw, which is freaking perfect. Mm-hmm. Set your re- meter on record and like walk away for like a half hour and it'll jump up to 0.2 amps, which obviously is bad, but it's intermittent and you can't find it. I so found like which cam issue that. So I found the module that's causing it. And for the sake of uh, privacy, I'm not going to say what module it is. I think it's a programming error. Um, the, I think something's either waking this module up or the module itself is waking up and waking up a bunch of other modules on the network. So in saying that using my idea with this tool is to hook up the amp clamp, hook up the the network ability to log over SD, turn the sucker on and walk away. If you have to walk away overnight, like a 12 volt battery source should hold enough logging for like 72 plus hours. So if like if you have a vehicle that's draining overnight and you can catch the IDs of modules like you know say the PCM has these level of IDs with it so you know that's a PC the PCM it would take a little bit to and this would be part of my training like it take a little bit to catch all the IDs of all the modules or you can just blanket record everything which is probably what I'd recommend mm-hmm. and then once you found your draw like you could see what modules waking up and posting IDs on the network and then you can go after the modules till you find the one that has the ID, which would probably be the way I'd recommend doing it. <clears throat> There's a couple of different ways of doing this. Regardless, you'd be able to, to watch the amp clamp spike. So the battery draw is and watch what message happened at that point. And then, you know, like go after that module for your draw. Okay. This one in, in particular, I think is a software <clears throat> issue, but we haven't gotten that far yet. But regardless, that's going to be a bu- an ability with this that, product that I'm bringing. That, that is remarkable. <laughs> I know. So, so, so the limited CAN bus information I have is from Mechanics Mindset. So, okay. Uh, <laughs> hey, hey, hi, my son, David. David, welcome to the podcast. Uh, you want to say hi? You look like my son, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> he says you look like his son, Tyler. <laughs> All right. Head upstairs. 
Yeah, I, I got. I sent you a picture of those. So uh, of, yes. of my two kids, and, and I'll overlay it. Yeah, you could you could throw that up. But uh, I, I've been messing with. I bought them a year or two ago. I bought them that little thirty eighteen desktop CNC. Uh, yes. And and so so those pictures that they're holding up, they they would carve these little images, with okay. the chickens and stuff. So that's what they're holding up is that they made those on on that machine. But nice. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, get back to the the Canva stuff. So my limited knowledge that I know of Canva has come from the training I got from mechanics mindset. Cause I got in early when he was offering some of his courses and I kind of got a good package deal without having to deal with any of the subscription stuff. So I, okay. I'm getting lifetime access and constant updates and stuff. So that is from what I know, that is blowing my mind of what you're going to be able to do with what you're with your stuff <laughs> and train people of how, how to do it with my equipment. Yeah. That is a very, I would, I would worth... say particular specific type of tool, but that is not really that specific. Cause that the, the possibilities of use with that are, are, are tremendous. I've ran into it probably a dozen yeah. times in my career already. Like it, mm-hmm. and I'm making it with, and, I'm making it for the new cars coming through. And that's the main thing. Like I'm making it for the cars that have FD networks on board, which is where the industry's going. It's where our EV cars are going. So like I'm future proofing this sucker. And like, if, if it comes to the point, like say 10 years down the road where I got to update this thing, I'll update a new version of it and kind of roll with that. But it's like, Hey, I mean, not... technology progressive exponentially, exactly. not linearly. So you say exactly three, five, 10 years. Oh, it's going to be a year or six months. <laughs> yeah. But well, like, and I look at it like we had 2.0 B from, I'm going to say like safely can say from 2008 to 2021 mm-hmm. on a lot of cars. So the, the automotive network definitely because of the safety side of things doesn't move as fast as like laptops and stuff like that. Like it's yeah, a slow yeah, moving true. ship. Mm-hmm. So I think it would last a while. I mean, time's going to tell, but, okay. and like going back to the reverse engineering part of it, like Satan, this is where like, this is going to shine for off road use to anyone listening in like Ugh. three letter agencies. <laughs> Say for instance, uh, say, for instance, but, you want to take a Holly Terminator and put it on a vehicle for off-road use only and make all legal. the stuff work. <laughs> like, make your dash work, you, make your radio work. Integration. Your, oh, <laughs> imagine. Oh, the possibilities. Because, like, I, I did, like... Again, Twisted Bills didn't do this. I personally did this with Full Send Diesel on that 21 Ram for Kevin. Me and Kev, me and Kevin. Not me, did not, it. not this Kevin. Not this Kevin, sorry. Yeah. Kevin, no. <laughs> uh, Kevin Kubanak, he owns Full Send Diesel. But um but, like I've learned so much from that. Like I'm like you could use the the, the tooling and the um and the training I'm gonna provide to make you would have to like you would have to know some coding stuff and like and I won't even say coding stuff because like uh, Motec, a lot of the Motec, which we're talking some big bucks at that point, but Motec ECUs have customizable can output. It's already there. It's been there for I would say probably close to a decade. So if you had the equipment and the training, if you're like, okay, I need to record all like the PCM is putting out this range of IDs. You can go into it while the car's still stock or get another car that's stock and use it. Record all those IDs and reverse engineer what exactly those IDs are doing. Do some sort of... Uh, and then clone it all and make it all work. Yeah, that's, that's the word I was getting to. Yeah, so... Yep. Okay. That, so, like, you could use a term... Awesome. Say, for instance, you, you built your own little box like I did to spoof what the factory PCM would do. You're like, think of it like a man in the middle attack. You're grabbing all the CAN network data from, say, the Holy Terminator X or Megasquare or Big Stuff 3, if it's still around, or, you know, t- pick your poison, or coding the the Botech to do it. You can make it output or ex- ignore the Botech from it. Grab the other ones. Grab the CAN data that's off of them, say, uh, Megasquare 3. <clears throat> have it read, have this box read off the CAN network data from the Megasquare 3 change it to what the factory car wants to see and output those messages. Now the dash is going to work. 
the body control module is going to work. The body control module is going to turn on the reverse lights like they're supposed to. They're, the body control or the radio is going to see that the PCM for the automatic transmission is now in reverse. So let's kick on the reverse camera <laughs> and like all the factory functions. Reverse. Are work. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so and make all that work with all the modern vehicles. So you can have like all the modern amenities mm-hmm. with your thousand horsepower engine running off of say holly terminator x that's really nice the middle finger of the people. use when you're uh off-road wheel in or on some and you want your it, you nice. want your amenities. Be nice. you want your yeah, air conditioning absolutely. you know what they came with I the mean, vehicle who... i'm gonna keep them with the vehicle <laughs> yep and keep it all working Absolutely, yes. that so, is that is wonderful. Oh, I'm, I'm so excited! Act- <laughs> I'm, I'm so excited. working on it. So, yeah, it's again a, a lot of irons in the fire, but because like I'm wiring the Firebird up for the P59, which is pretty close, um, and the S10 project, which happens here or there, Silver Auto project, same kind of deal. Um, I'm act like every night I've been coding on this thing for. Oh, I don't even remember when I started on it. It's been a while, but I've been working on it actively. Like I've already got kind of the PCB circuits kind of figured out already. I have a lot of code getting there. I'm still rusty on computer software. So um, one of the guys that uh, helped me with the full send project, um, shout out Sky Schmidt. Um, He'll be helping me with the computer software as well for the computer interface for the live network monitoring and stuff like that. But so yeah, it's going to be a little bit, but we are, act, I'm actively working on it. So it is that, something that that's going to be coming to I'm hoping <laughs> so. when, when my shop gets out here eventually that, so how it's going to be set up is, is it's almost like a little lab. So I'm hoping to get <laughs> delve into some of those details. Like, like you're doing currently, it's just the space that I have here, man. I cannot, cannot do it. <laughs> yeah. I, I am very are. limited with with what I'm able to do and my not not only just time but but physical physical space. <laughs> yes, I hear you there. I totally hear yeah. you there. So talking about bringing things to market, uh, run, engine run stands and yes, material racks, material and racks. that is the tip of the iceberg. That is what I currently have pretty much fully designed with blueprints ready to either sell as packages for blueprints. If someone wants to DIY together or to get the material pre fabricated or just do some cutting, some laser etching and send out as kits for DIY and, and everything that I'm releasing is set up to where you can weld it together or you can take the same exact kit that is the weld kit. And because the laser etching is going to have locations of where you would need to drill, you can drill out the holes and put everything bolt together. So it's not going to, it's going to be bare bones. The, The goal is to release some kind of shop, not really necessarily equipment, but some stuff handy for, for shops or smaller garages at a, my mind is, is going a mile a minute right now in my head in a budget friendly manner, allow someone to get an engine run stand or a material rack. So it's not going to be fully packaged up foam shipped with hardware, all this other Mm -hmm. sort of stuff. There's going to be kind of, two packages in one, like I said, you can weld it together or you can drill out some holes yourself with your own drill bits and your own hardware supplied yep. and bolt the stuff together. But everything is going to be set up to where you can do either or, or just buy some blueprints and, and kind of source the material. Do it yourself. yourself. So, yeah. So yep. those two things, like, like I said, those two things right now, they're, they're pretty much good to go. And, and I need your input on some of these um, very, very fine details at, toward the end. Okay. But those two are ready to go, and those are the tip of the iceberg. I am going to have and just pump out a whole plethora of stuff that's going to be useful for shops. <laughs> awesome! I'm yeah, game. yeah, I can, I, I cannot wait. <laughs> I, I gotta. So after this, 
remind me, I'll go ahead and send you the blueprints or some pictures or some renderings if you want to go okay. ahead and overlay currently what I have. And that's pretty much the final design of what I have. Um, but like I said, after afterward, I would like to talk to you a little bit about some of the fine details of how they're going. That together. sounds good. <laughs> And, and if anyone's interested in the blueprints I'm going to have overlaid on the screen, uh, reach out to either Kevin or I, and uh, mm-hmm. we'll we'll be get, working on getting this to market quite directly. Yeah, so. yeah, and, and it's going to be soon. So these two things I, I want to put out there within the next month, hopefully within the next two weeks. Like I said, when I say they're pretty much ready to be released, they're, they're, they're really there pretty much ready to be released. Really close. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. So that is, that is going to be, so, be a very soon thing. And, and they're going to be keep pumping out. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. This is going to be awesome. So, yeah. yeah and like, I'm, I'm excited. And like, I've, I'm pretty sure you've, you've sent me some of this stuff before and look, I'm, we're going to look into it more later, mm-hmm. but like the, and I've released stuff, it, like, a few of the stuff on, you guys on Instagram it's, it's, too, of, of just some of the quick yes. renderings. Yeah. That's and those aren't the total finals yes. either. Okay. Yep. Yeah, so if anyone's interested <laughs> in that stuff, just, yep, let us know. And we're going to have more coming out between, yeah. again, like the, the canvas stuff I'm working on and all the shop equipment stuff you're working on, plus machining or whatever else we, we figure we're gonna out. We're going to be like, the world's one-stop we got shop stuff. for automotive. Yeah, we're, we are going to be taking off like a rocket. <laughs> I'm excited. This is going to yep. be awesome. Mm-hmm. But All right, I'm going back to our subjects real quick. The, the shop. So my shop, yes. I don't know if we've got into that yet. Did we touch on that last last time we did an episode of me getting this oil-filled skid so. shop? I mean, doghouse type thing. So it's a plate steel shop. It, and I sent you two pictures. I'll leave it up to you whether or not you want to post it. This is That's the interior of it. It's not a cleaned out shop. Okay. So that's like yep. a dirty little the room that you're seeing. So that's, it's been sitting for kind of a few years and, uh, out okay. the element. So this stuff's got in the shop and it's not done cleaned out yet, mm-hmm. but it is a eight foot wide, eight and a half foot tall in the center, eight foot tall on the sides, 26 foot long plate steel welded together shop on skids, ready to be lifted up with a okay. grain up on a big flatbed or semi trailer. It's like an oil filled doghouse, And this thing is the shop okay. that, the universe does not want me to have apparently because it has been a few months of me trying to get it out to my property. And uh, I, I posted a, uh, a message on Instagram with a picture of it, of, of the, uh, a semi truck that, that I hired to haul it out there that uh, Murphy, I'm going to end up kicking, kicking Murphy in the nether regions for uh <laughs> No matter, <laughs> no matter, whatever, whatever could go wrong, happens, has been happen. going wrong. Yeah, yeah, good old Murphy's Law. So initially, there, we, we had a few weeks of back-to-back rain, and right as it would dry up for me to be able to hire somebody okay. to go get this shop off the property of the owner, of which I paid the shop for, uh, it has been raining again. And this is not something that you can fit on a flatbed truck. I know we spoke previously about the lathe that I purchased. And it was on an F450 flatbed yes. and just the lathe itself had the wheels three, th- four feet in the air from tilting the lathe off of the back of the bed. So this is something that's so heavy that you, you physically have to get a semi with like a low boy trailer mm-hmm. with some sort of like massive winch to be able to get this thing on. And there's specific, specific uh, oil filled trucks back in the day that they built specifically for moving these things. And that was their whole purpose. Um, so we have had so much rain back to back and when it dried up just enough time for me to get it, it would rain again. Well, then I had everything set up. I got the company together and the reason I'm sticking with this company and not going with another one is the price is they are really taking care of me. Uh, I don't really want to put the name out there cause you can overlay okay. the picture of the semi truck on the screen if you want broke down, but yep. right as I was ready to get it, <laughs> okay. right as I was ready to get it and, oh, and get no. them out there. I wasn't they, sure. Like, they, I saw the photo. I didn't understand the context of it. I spent five, almost five hours with them, literally within sight of my shop, oh my in God. front of the person's drive, broke down with the semi, and and it's not really the company's fault. Stuff happens, and I was just so ready to get the shop, and we were literally looking 
at the shop from where we were at broke down and we physically could not get the shop. And then right after it starts raining again. So it's going to be, I'm hoping to get it now by my birthday, July 15th. Uh, so it'd be really nice to okay. be able to get the shop by my birthday, but that's the time frame we're, we're looking at. It just seems like the, the rain would happen or I'd set it up with them and it'd be ready to go, but had to go that night because the next morning it was going to rain. And then the lady I purchased it from mm-hmm. had three, four months to clean the shop out because she wanted to go through any sort of trinkets or anything that was in it and clean out anything valuable, which I was fine with. I'm not paying for inside of the shop. I'm paying for the shop itself. So if they have possessions, go go ahead and get them out there. But when I've given months notice and then I was ready to go and I got a call, hey, we can't do it right now. I still have to go through it and clean out the shop. I'm like, ooh. And then it starts raining. And then there's a dry period. And then the truck breaks down. And now I got to wait weeks for it to dry back yes. up because we just had another monsoon rainstorm pour through. It's just, God, Murph is, uh, is kind of killing me right now. <laughs> I'm getting the shop. But the plan is to have that thing yeah. out. My small lathe put interior inside of it. All my electronic equipment, okay. my oscilloscopes, all my good stuff, my small... Uh, not quite desktop, but in between desktop and um, full-size milling machine that I got in an auction. Was it roughly okay. about a year ago? I don't, I don't know if you remember me talking about that. It was like half Something CNC like that. converted. Yeah, I, yeah, I do so remember that. that. that so so yes. the spots picked out for my small lathe. The spots picked out in there uh, for the mill. And then I'm going to have all my electrical equipment. It's going to be set up as a good lab. I'm building building a lean-to on the side of it to have my waste motor oil processing center. And, and I'm ready to get going on some projects. I really am. But, man, the universe really does not want me to get started. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I hear you. Oh, I hear you. Yeah. Trust me. Mm-hmm. But, oh, my. Yeah, no, that's going to be awesome, though. That's going to be That's going to be good. You're gonna have to keep yeah, updated that. And I will put like I'll overlay all of this stuff. Yeah, you, in post. Yeah, and I'll so up to you. It's got photos of the here. dirty inside of the shop, so I don't know how how many people want to see the inside with like a tree limb or whatever. Yeah, I'll we'll the post them anyway. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, screw it. Yeah, it's not provides so context. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't look like there's anything valuable in there, so I don't know if anybody wants to go through and pick of why it took so long to get the shop cleaned out. The kid, <laughs> yeah. But all right, man. I think this has been a good episode. So yeah, I think we'll wrap it up here. So all right, thank you for coming on, and oh, to, absolutely to all our listeners. Anytime, I am anytime. actively trying. I'm we're both trying actively trying because so. yeah we're yeah we're, yes. we're both trying to yeah we're working on it yeah we're both busy at, at least the last on one it, wasn't so. six months ago yes it was only progress. a month ago progress. and a couple <laughs> days it's progress so all right guys hey thanks for listening to twist the builds uh podcast uh have a good day Bye. see you